At that time, after holy Persephone scattered the female souls of the women away, some going in every direction, then did the soul of the scion of Atreus come, Agamemnon, bitterly grieving, and others collected around of the men who perished with him encountered their doom in the house of Aegisthus. Quickly he recognized me as soon as he drank of the black blood. Piercingly then he wailed, and he shed great tears in abundance, stretching his hands toward me as he eagerly reached to embrace me. But no longer in him were the vigor and potency steadfast, such as before he had had in the flexible limbs of his body. Seeing him there, I wept, and my heart felt sorrow and pity. Raising my voice, I spoke, and in these winged words I addressed him. Atreus, glorious scion, the leader of men, Agamemnon, what doom was it of death long mourned that defeated and killed you? Was it Poseidon who brought you down as you sailed in your galleys, raising against you a terrible blast of the violent storm winds? Or on the dry land were you destroyed by enemy fighters when from the fields you were driving their cattle and beautiful sheep flocks, or when over their city you fought them and over their women? So I spoke, and at once he addressed me, giving an answer. Zeus sprung son of Laertes, Odysseus of many devices. No, Poseidon did not quell me as I sailed in my galleys, raising against me a terrible blast of the violent storm winds. Nor on the dry land was I destroyed by enemy fighters. But I just as it was who wrought my death and destruction. He and my murderous wife called me to his palace and killed me while I was dining, the way one slaughters an ox at the manger. So I died a most pitiful death, and around me the other comrades were killed one after another, as white-tusked pigs are killed in the house of a wealthy and powerful man for a dinner, either a wedding, a feast, or a sumptuous communal banquet. You have already encountered the slaughter of many heroic men killed fighting alone or at war in the violent combat. But far more in your heart, seeing these things, you would have mourned them. How we lay there scattered about the full tables and mixing bowls all over the hall, and the whole floor ran with our lifeblood. Saddest of all was the voice of Cassandra, the daughter of Priam, which I heard. She was killed by treacherous Clytemnestra, close to my side. Then, raising my hands, I beat on the earth in anguish, and died with a sword in my body. The bitch-eyed woman turned her back, nor would deign, though to Hades' domain I was going, even to shut my eyes or to close my mouth with her own hands. So there is nothing at all more dreadful or vile than a woman who in the thought of her heart meditates this kind of misdoing, like that woman who craftily plotted a deed so indecent, causing the death of the husband she wedded. Indeed, I expected, when I arrived back home, that at least to the children and servants I would be welcome. But she, with her thoughts of exorbitant evil, poured great shame on herself, 
and as well on women who follow all of the female sex, even one whose acts are of virtue. So he spoke, and in turn I addressed him, giving an answer. Dreadful how violently wide-thundering Zeus has exerted hatred on Atreus' race from of old by the scheming of women. Many of us were destroyed on Helen's account, and against you, Clytemnestra was plotting her treason while yet you were far off. So I spoke, and at once he addressed me, giving an answer. So you, even to your own wife now, never be gentle, nor disclose to her every matter of which you are certain, but tell something of it, and the rest keep carefully hidden. But there will be no murder for you from a woman, Odysseus, for a most sound understanding and sensible thoughts in her mind has noble Icarius' daughter, Penelope, thoughtful and prudent. She was a newly-wed bride at the time we left her behind us when we went to the war, and upon her breast was a child still speechless, who I suppose now sits and is numbered among men. Fortunate youth, for his own dear father returning will see him. He will embrace his father as well, as is fitting and proper. Mine was a wife who never allowed me to fill up my eyes with even a glance at my son, for before I saw him, she killed me. Something else I will tell you, and you keep this in your mind now. Secretly, not in the open, to that dear land of your father's, bring your galley, because there is faith no longer in women. But come now, tell me this, and recount it exactly and fully. If perchance you have heard that my son somewhere is alive yet, whether perhaps in our commonest town, or in sandy-soiled Pylos, whether perhaps with the Lord Menelaus he is in broad Sparta, since nowhere on the earth can the noble Orestes have perished. So he spoke, and in turn I addressed him, giving an answer. Atreus' son, why ask me of these things? Nothing I know of, whether he lives or has died. It is bad to say words that are windy. So as we stood, each making reply to the other in somber words and lamenting our woes, pouring out great tears in abundance, then came near me the spirit of Peleus' scion Achilles, that of Patroclus, and that of the noble Antilochus also, then that of Ajax, the man who surpassed in beauty and stature all of the Danians other than Peleus, excellent scion. When that soul of the swift-footed scion of Iochus knew me, sorrowing then he spoke, and in these winged words he addressed me. Zeus sprung, son of Laertes, Odysseus of many devices. What still mightier deed, rash man, will you plan in your spirit? How did you dare come down into Hades' dominion, wherein live dead men lacking their senses, the shadows of worn-out mortals? So he spoke, and in turn I addressed him, giving an answer. Peleus, scion Achilles, far greatest among the Achaeans, I have come here in need of Tiresias, if any counsel he might speak, that I might reach Ithaca, rugged and rocky. 
Since I have not yet neared the Ochean domain, nor have set foot yet in my country, but ever have woe, but Achilles, there is no man of the past more blessed than you, nor yet of the future, saying that when you were living, we Argives granted you honors equal the gods. Now here with the shades you are mighty in power. So, even though you are dead, be not too troubled, Achilles. So I spoke, and at once he addressed me, giving an answer. Speak to me not about death so soothingly, brilliant Odysseus. I would prefer to be working the earth, hired out to another, even a landless man, whose living is far from abundant, than to be lord over all of the phantoms of those who have perished. But come now, of that excellent son of mine, tell me the story, whether or not he followed as champion into the battle. If you have heard anything about excellent Peleus, tell me, whether among those numerous Myrmidons yet he is honored, or if instead they do him dishonor in Hellas and Phthia, since he is held by his hands and his feet in the trammels of old age, nor am I there as protector beneath bright Helios' sunbeams, being the man I was when once in the broad Troad I slaughtered the best of the fighters, defending the Argive peoples. If being such I could enter my father's abode but an instant, then I would make most hateful my might and my terrible hands for any of those who use him with force and deprive him of honor. So he spoke, and in turn I addressed him, giving an answer. First, about excellent Peleus, I have heard nothing to tell you. But of the other, your child Neoptolemus, dearly beloved, all of the truth I now will relate to you, just as you bid me, since it was I myself who upon my hollow and balanced ship took him out of Skyros to follow the well-grieved Achaeans. Then, when in front of the city of Troy we pondered our counsels, always the first he spoke, and he did not err in advising. Godlike Nestor and I were alone his masters in council. But then, when we Achaeans would fight on the plain of the Trojans, Never did he stay back in the host of the men, in the melee, but far forward he rushed, in his bravery yielding to no one. Many indeed were the men he killed in the terrible combat. Though of them all I will not now speak to you, nor will I name them, such was the number of troops he slaughtered defending the Argives, yet what a man was the hero Eurypylus, Telephus' scion, whom he killed with a sword, and around him many Kitaian comrades were killed on account of the gifts once given a woman. He was the handsomest man I have seen after glorious Memnon. But at the time we went in the horse that Apeos had built, we chiefs of the Argives, and I was assigned the command over all things, whether to open the doors of the tight-built ambush or close them. There then all of the others, the Danian leaders and princes, wiped off tears from their faces. The legs underneath them were trembling. But as I looked with my eyes, I never at all saw him turn pallid and lose his beautiful coloring, nor did he ever wipe off tears from his cheeks. But he often implored me to let him go forth out of the horse, and the hilt of his sword and his spear shaft, heavy with bronze, he handled, envisioning woe for the Trojans. But then, after we ransacked the steep-built city of Priam, 
taking a share of the loot and a fine prize. Onto his ship he went unscathed. He had not been hit by a sharp-pointed brazen spear, nor wounded in hand-to-hand combat, such as in warfare often occurs while Ares is raging in random destruction. So I spoke, and the spirit of Iocus, swift-footed scion, stalked off, moving in long strides over the asphodel meadow, joyful at what I had said, that his son was a glorious hero.